now the scripture, which is from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 14, and then 23 and 24. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am forcefully, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The word of the Lord. So we're excited to continue in this uh, sermon series called Off-Road Disciplines, uh, with the idea being that we're trying to pass on spiritual practices that you can incorporate into your own relationship with God. And uh, what our hope is, is that, you know, you hear about this discipline, we'll practice it in worship together, uh, but then you'll try to incorporate it in your life over the course of like this next week. You'll sort of try it on for size. Uh, Just like we don't usually just buy clothes off the rack without trying them on. uh, We want to try on these practices and see if they fit for us. And guess what? Some of them won't for you. Uh, for instance, some, you know, spiritual journaling. Journaling works for some people and not maybe for others. Um, but what our hope is that you kind of try these on for size. We will in worship and over the course of this next week, see if it's a fit for you. And if that becomes an ongoing part of your spiritual practice, great. Our hope is that one or two of these may become part of your regular rhythm. So the practice of centering prayer or Lectio Divina, divine reading that we practiced last week or the Ignatian Awareness Exam and we're going to practice this morning. Maybe one or two of those become part of your regular rhythms. And the good news is you don't have to just come here to church on Sunday morning to practice these. You can practice these anytime, anywhere. When you're out camping, on the road this summer, in your travels, you can practice these different spiritual disciplines. So the one we're going to look at today is known as the Ignatian Awareness Examine. And a wonderful passage of scripture that kind of draws us into that is Psalm 139 and the prayer there. You can follow along on the screen or uh, you can follow along in the insert in the uh, bulletin and uh, share in this with me. So this is Psalm 139 verses 1 to 14 and then 23 to 24. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts 
from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are too wonderful. I know that full well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is God's word to us. You know, when we think about allowing God to examine us, at first it may seem scary. I mean, there, it feels like there's these deep parts of our hearts, perhaps these maybe seemingly unpresentable parts of ourselves, and we really want to invite God to come in and examine those with this searchlight of his presence. <laughs> Not me some days. We're more oriented towards fleeing, hiding, denying the hurts, the pain, the losses. We try to avoid God at times. In fact, sometimes I believe that our ongoing journey with God can be like a game of hide and seek. But what we learn from the Psalms is that God is present everywhere. And as a loving God who knows us and has the power to transform us, if we invite his searching, it's going to be part of the transformation of our hearts in relationship with God. St. Ignatius of Loyola was born in 1491. He was the one that uh, founded the Society of Jesus, the Jesuit priestly order in the Catholic Church. And this became, the prayerful exam, and became one of their fundamental spiritual practices. And as it points us to Jesus, it is a practice that we might consider incorporating into our own journey. For me, it bookends my day. Beginning the day in gratitude and thanksgiving to God and ending the day in prayerful Reflection. Ignatius's method, general method of the examination of the conscience, followed this rhythm. It starts with thanksgiving. Just giving God thanks and praise for the good gifts we've experienced over the last 24 hours. It could be what I'll call big ticket gifts, the gift of salvation, the gift of life, the gift of breath. Sometimes the fundamental things that we take for granted on a daily basis. Or it could be those little gifts we've received in any given day. The beauty of creation, the gift of walking, the gift of spiritual fellowship, the gift of brothers and sisters in Christ, watching children dance and sing joyfully, which inspires our own response to God. We have a ton to give God thanks for. And sometimes we forget that every good and perfect gift comes from God. 
And we start to think somehow we've drummed up those good gifts. When in fact, we haven't initiated any of those things. All those things are a gift from God. So the Ignatian Awareness Exam starts with thanksgiving. Then it moves on to asking grace for our sins, to, to rid us of them. In other words, we're inviting God to examine us. We're trusting that God is knowingly, lovingly enough to, to enter into that time of examination. I'll tell you the truth. I never like going to the doctor. And I certainly don't like having my yearly physical. Because if I don't go, I don't know, Right? And I don't really want to know sometimes what's going on inside this body of mine. I don't really want to know that my blood pressure's increased or whatever it may be. So we avoid it, don't we? But trusting God, we can enter in to that examination. And it just might be that thing that saves our life, spiritually in this case, as it might be physically with a doctor. Allowing God to examine us and stepping into that in his grace is an act of deep trust. The third point is to demand an account of our soul from the time of rising up to the present examination. We want to live examined lives, not unexamined lives. Henry David Thoreau said, most men live lives, unexamined lives, of quiet desperation. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a life of quiet desperation. I want to live a life of meaning and purpose and joy. The fourth point will be to ask pardon of God for our faults. We want to ask God for forgiveness and receive his cleansing and forgiveness. And then fifth, we want to pray about tomorrow. We want to ask God to go ahead of us into that next day. Be in with us in that difficult interaction, in that important meeting. When we wake up, when we get ready for the day, whether we're looking forward to that day or we're dreading that day, we want to go ahead of God to go ahead of us in it so that we can find him at every turn. The theme for this last week of Mystery Island was out about investigating God looking out for God, trying to look at the clues in creation and who God is so that we can understand him and grow in him. But guess what? This message, it flips the script. And now, instead of our investigating God, searching after him, we're allowing him to search us and investigate us. And guess what? We need that. So in Thanksgiving, we try to become aware of the reality of God's presence and his activity in our life. We reflect on the reality that all life, all life is a gift. We thank God for those specific gifts I've been given this day. And we ask for abiding grace, an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving to start our days. I've shared with you before, my own practice in having a spiritual journal is, um, is using the white space at the top of the page as my gratitude space and just pouring out gratitude and thanksgiving to God at the start of every day because it orients my day. It enables me to see things differently and live thankfully. Praying for, then we pray for God's guidance in the Holy Spirit and, and this searching glance. We ask the Holy Spirit to come and give us grace to see our life honestly and become more open to God's work. In other words, we give up the denial and we allow God to, to seek, uh, to pursue us and to search us honestly. Then we look back over the course of our day. We review events. We ask, where it was God? In all this, we try to notice the places where joy, sadness, anxiety, peacefulness, and other strong feelings emerge. What what were those emotions? Those emotions, what what, what was God trying to tell us through them? Why why did I react angrily to my kids that day? Well, it's because I haven't processed this other hurt and I allowed it to spill over in my response to Levi. 
So noticing, paying attention. Having joy and thanksgiving and noticing that. And what, what's that about? What's that emotion? And how do we pay attention to it? How is God calling you through different experiences? In other words, if you, if you sense yourself called in certain ways, it starts to affirm your sense of call and you start to realize, gosh, I'm called to this. I love the way Morgan shared a few weeks ago. He came back after camp and he knocked on my office. I got to talk. Okay, what's going on? I figured something bad had happened to camp and he was going to let me know about it. I, it I, I'm called to ministry. Okay, let's, let's talk about that. What does that mean for you? What is that looking like for you? How did you experience that this past week? And we did a prayerful examination of his week at camp to, to discern how he came to a sense of his calling to ministry. How did you respond to God's call? Did you miss it? Sometimes I miss it. Sometimes I see God's call and I go the other direction, like Jonah, who we're going to talk about in a minute. But don't judge yourself. Allow your experiences to be ones where you come to know God's love for you. And that's where the fourth step comes in. And that's sorrow, godly sorrow. And there's such a key difference between the world's sorrow and godly sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7.10, and I, don't want to, I want to encourage you, write this one down, look this one up, meditate on it. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow is that sorrow for our sins, but repentance will return back to God and we receive his forgiveness and we're set free. Worldly sorrow is just kind of getting stuck emotionally in our sorrow. It's, it's where we start to feel guilt and shame that we feel weighed down by that immobilizes us rather than keeping us moving forward in our journey. We want to be free. We want God to enable us to move forward in our journey with him. And we don't want to allow shame and guilt to, to beset us in such a way that we're weighed down by it. Godly sorrow leads to repentance and change and letting go of those things and being free in relationship with God. And then we look towards tomorrow with hope and trust. Freed from our sin, receiving God's forgiveness, we trust God's leading into the next day. What will happen to me tomorrow that I need to talk to God about? God, I'm anxious about that meeting. God, I'm anxious about this coming interaction. I'm anxious about that medical test or appointment I have. I'm anxious about that, and I want to just lay that down at God's feet. And here we can ask ourselves questions. Like, what have I done for Christ? What am I doing for Christ? What ought I do to Christ, for Christ? Not to have an ought, a would, a could, a should that weighs us down, but that we see the next day as this grand, great opportunity. I mean, I'm getting old, guys. And by Wednesday of Adventure Week, I'm like, I woke up and I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, I just don't. I don't have it in me today. The kid, I'm going to want to jump around with the kids and bounce. And, and my back hurts and my feet hurt and this and that. And, and, and then in prayerful examination, it's like, God, I get to today. I get to today. And on Wednesday in particular, I was meeting with a couple of kids. And, and I got to pray with one of them to accept Christ. These two kids are going to be baptized coming up. And at the end of the day, it's like, God, if I hadn't gotten out of bed and entered into what you were doing, I would have missed out on the grand adventure of getting to be a part of somebody's eternal future with Christ. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out on that. So when we see the day as an adventure, when we enter into this discipline and awareness examine, it's allowing God to work in us. 
One translation of Psalm 139 says it this way. God, investigate my life. Get all the facts firsthand. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. I look behind me and you're there. I look ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too wonderful for me. I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit? Is there any place where I'm out of your sight? If I climb up to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on the morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in light. It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh, yes, you shaped me from the inside out. For you formed me in my mother's womb. And I thank you. Hi, God, you are breathtaking. Body and soul, I'm marvelously made. I worship in adoration your creation. What a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit, how I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life are spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I lived one day. Investigate my life, O oh God. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine me and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. You know me. Fundamentally, Psalm 139 and basically saying, God, you know me. And you know me completely, and, and you love me, and you care about me, and I don't have to be afraid to allow you to examine me. But too often we are afraid, aren't we? Jonah was one of the characters I played this last week. It's kind of gratifying when Bell gets the basic details. It's like, okay, you got something across. Yeah, he was swallowed by a fish and these kinds of things. But the real part of Jonah's adventure was the sense of God's calling and inviting him to participate in what God was doing in Nineveh. And Jonah flees the opposite direction. But then he finds on the sea this massive storm that God is all-powerful. And in the belly of this fish, he finds out, he's reminded that God created him. He knit him together in his mother's womb. And there is nowhere that Jonah can go outside of God's presence. At the depths of the sea, in the bottom of, in the the stomach of this fish, Jonah is known by God. And God shows up to show Jonah that God is everywhere present. He knows it all. And he's got power to transform him right there in the midst of his circumstances. And similarly, Psalm 139 just says, search me, know me, perceive my thoughts from afar, discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. When was the last time you actually said that to God? I mean, that's risky, church, to say, search me, know me, test me. We want to avoid God often. 
But instead of avoiding God, we can trust that God knows it all, is present, and has the power to transform us. And even in the depths of our existence, even in those times where, like Jonah, we are prone and ready to give it all up, God is still with us. He knows us. And it's almost like a court of law and and then this investigation that takes place. God investigates our life, and he finds that there's sin there. I mean, it, we're guilty as charged. But then in this investigation and examination, God says, I'm not going to leave them there stuck in their sins. I'm going to enter into existence, ultimately through the person of Christ, to transform them and to rid them of their sin and free them from their sin. And when we t- trust God enough, we can hear that guilt, but also receive their forgiveness. There's, the, there's the, the, the gavel hitting the bench. He's guilty. But then there's the expression of pardon. I'm going to set him free. Uh, this year I got to play a bad guy. I don't usually play a bad guy. But one of my characters other than Jonah. And I was, I was Jonah on Tuesday. Isaiah on Wednesday. And then the bad guy by Thursday. I mean there was a lot going on this last week. But uh, I was a jewel thief. And I got to wear my suit. I don't often wear a suit. I had my suit on. I was going around trying to steal jewels, okay? And, and pretty soon, or after a while, uh, Bosef Shredbeard, who you met this morning, caught me as the jewel thief and uh, was taking me to some pirate island prison or something. One of the kids, like, cried out, oh, oh, I'll set you free, Mr. Henson. And he ran up and he gave me a gold coin because he, he basically wanted to to like buy my way out of prison because I had been guilty from stealing all these treasures. And as as I'm walking off and Bo's dragging me off for the sixth time that day uh, from the play that we had done over and over and over again, I thought in my head and descended into my heart, I think that kid's got the gospel. I think he's got it. We are guilty and we all do stuff that's bad and turn away from God. But then God pays the price and redeems us back in Jesus. And we're found once again. And in that finding, we don't have to be afraid and we don't have to play hide and seek with God anymore. We can exclaim along with the psalmist that he knows me. And it even says, I mean, this is scary, friends. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. I don't want to know that God knows what I said to my wife yesterday that just was hurtful. I don't want to know that God knows it before I lay into my kid because I'm frustrated that God knows about all that. But he does, and he loves, and he wants to redeem all that. You hem me in behind and before. He's in front of us, he's behind us. You lay your hand behind me. I mean, the image here is crazy. It's like before the dawn, before you know, the sun rises and it sets, God's already there. He's there east and west, up to the heavens, down to the depths. God is there completely. And the psalmist basically becomes undone in all this knowledge. And the good news is he comes to the end of himself. And when we come to the end of ourself, we're at the beginning of where God can do his transforming work. And it impacts him. He says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. And he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Again, I could go up to the heavens and you're there. I go to the depths and you're there. The wings of the dawn, the far side of the sea, everywhere God is there. To meet me. Where can I go from your spirit? There is nowhere you can go today, friends, where God is not already there and that God is not with you in it. You got a difficult doctor's appointment this week and you're worried about the results? God's already there and he's going to be there with you. You don't know what to say when a kid asks you a complicated question. (laughs) 
about faith, life, or the Bible, guess what? God's already there. He's going to help you. In those times where we're wondering, we're doubting, we're fearful, God is there. And I love the fact that he, he touches the psalmist. And, and I love this. Your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Even darkness is as light to you. In other words, God, God's here next to us, guiding us. But he's also holding us. He's got a grip on us. He's not going to let us go. And in those times when it feels like we're coming undone in life, and, and we're just done, and we don't have it in us, guess what? God has a grip on us, and he's not going to let go. And the, and the scary but profound reality is even darkness is as light to him. In other words, in those times when I'm in the dark and I think I've got my sin well hidden, <laughs> you don't, and neither do I. And so we might as well live a, a fully exposed life before God and just let him know it all and let him deal with it all, all the crud, all the junk, all the things that are there, allow him to investigate it and speak into it and ultimately die to redeem it and set us free from it. Because guess what? God is committed to you. And when we enter into this examination, we do it knowing that before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. Before we were an embryo, starting to form and be fashioned in our mother's womb, God knew us completely. He had his plans and designs for us. And you, my friend, are one of a kind. And God has been with you throughout it all. He created your inmost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you in the secret place. His eyes saw your unformed body. Before the doctor or your mother saw you in an ultrasound, God saw you long before that. And he knew it all. So we might as well let him know about it all and just go ahead and deal with it all with him. And the psalmist gets into that place of trust in God that he can go there with God and there and coming out of and through that examination, he says, I will praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are too wonderful for me. I know that full well and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came into being. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, God knows it. And if you're in a rough patch, guess what? It may be a very bad chapter in a really good book. So don't give up on the book because God's not done with it yet. And you can allow him to examine where you are right now, chapter and verse, and then work with him and allow his transforming grace to start to move you forward in your life to receive the gifts of grace and mercy And you can invite his examination because he's powerful enough to examine you. He knows it all and he's with you. And guess what? He's good. He's good. So we're not going to, you know, allow him to examine ourselves and then just fail, 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 deny, deny, deny. Uh, I'm going to say it this way. One of us in the the, the household, Griffin household, took a test recently. And the the results back from this, it just failed. I mean, big, bold letters, failed. And we looked at this thing, it's like, dang, this is pretty rough. But it's almost like the message from God is failed, but then you turn it over. Accept it anyway. It's like the college application. You didn't get in. Turn it over. But I let you in. One of my friends told me about how he applied to one college, and he applied to a specific program to get into that college thinking, I want to be an engineer. This is what I want to do. And guess what? He didn't get in. And then he was just granted a scholarship. And he said, I want to apply just for general admission. And guess what? 
he got in. He was gifted a scholarship to get to go to that school. His best effort in his own application, his own plan and design for what program to get into didn't work. But God's plan was different. Still to get him in the same place, but a different route. And that's the good news of the gospel, isn't it? We get to that same place we want to go, but it's by a different route, and it's by God's route, not our own will, ambition, but what God's plan and will and ambition is for us. So in all that, we can invite him into all that, and we can allow him to change our anxious thoughts and allow us to receive his peace and his goodness. And trusting in that, I want you to know that your most difficult spot The hardest thing you're working through right now, uh, God is there. One last example, and we'll enter into this examination. Yesterday, I was out watching Josh play, and and, uh, Josh is on a Nevada City All-Star team that a bunch of 14-year-olds, and they they won their their district, and they've won a couple games in their region, and they're actually like now two games away from going to like the state championship. Well, they had won every game, like seven games in a row. And then yesterday, we're watching the warm-ups, and we see this picture from the other team. There's no way this guy was 14. I mean, he had a full beard. The guy's like 6'1", and it just, he looks like he's in college. And I'm thinking, oh, son, you're in trouble. This guy's this has got to be tough. But then I watch Josh, and he gets one pinch-hitting appearance. He hasn't played on the field in a while, but he gets to come up to pinch-hit. And I, and I just watch him with this smile on his face, and I watch him step into the batter's box and kind of with this full attitude, I got this. Well, it didn't go the way he hoped yesterday, but I saw the confidence in him to step in the batter's box and believe that I don't care if this guy's got a beard. I'm going to get a hit. And spiritually... We need to enter into that place of believing that God can be with us in that box of life and whatever we're going through, and he's going to be with us, and he's going to see us through that experience. And we do not have to be terrified, afraid, anxious. Instead, we can say along with the psalmist, search me, O God, and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive or hurtful way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So how about we do that? Let's go ahead and close our eyes and uh, invite you to open your palms towards God in kind of receiving posture. And I'm going to invite you to, to pray with me and enter into this type of awareness examine. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. O Lord God, first and foremost, we pause and give you thanks and praise for the many good gifts we've received from you even over the last 24 hours. In the silence of the next few moments, just let God know what you're thankful for. Now, Lord God, we ask for grace to know our sins and to be rid of them. Come, Holy Spirit of God, and examine our hearts, our minds, our souls.
we invite you to examine us and take account of our souls from the time of rising yesterday to the present time. And we ask for forgiveness, God, for our faults. Come and set us free from our sin. And we now ask in prayer for this day and into tomorrow. For the next 24 hours, God, we, we lift up our time to you, the things that we know are before us, the things that we don't know. We ask that you would go ahead of us into this coming day. And we pray, Lord God, that you would lead us in the way everlasting, your everlasting way. Light our path in what is ahead. That we may know that you are present with us, that you know all things, and that you ultimately have all power to transform our hearts and our lives, to mold us and mature us more fully into your image. And all God's people said, Amen.
Come on, let's lift up God in praise and worship and honor. Praise God. Jesus is waiting, God so love the world. 